Welcome to Advancing Quality in Patient Safety, a podcast by the New Mexico Hospital Association. This podcast highlights member hospital efforts in the fields of quality and patient safety and features insights from clinical experts across our state. This podcast serves the purpose of facilitating shared learning and collaboration across NMHA member hospitals. Welcome, everyone, to the first episode in our podcast, Advancing Quality and Patient Safety. Uh, my name is Dan Lenari. I am the Director of Quality and Patient Safety for the New Mexico Hospital Association, and I'm going to be your host for this podcast series. Um, really, over the, over the past several months here at the association, we've received requests from hospital leaders across our state of facilitating new ways of sharing best practices amongst, amongst member hospitals and also aiding and connecting hospital leaders with one another. Um, so therefore, myself and Lydia Kaba, the program manager here at NMHA, uh, we work together to bring together a podcast uh, that will feature interviews with hospital leaders across New Mexico. So uh, we're really excited to, to launch this platform with you all and we hope you find it worthwhile. A um, little bit about the episodes and, and what's ahead. The episodes will run around 30 minutes in length, um, and we have a goal of recording two episodes per month. Um, so today, we're, we are thrilled to have our, our first guest with us. We have a few leaders from Gila Regional Medical Center in Silver City, um, and they're going to share with us today some of the work that they've done with their care transitions program, and then also its effect on reducing hospital readmissions. Um, so a bit of uh, disclosures before we get started here today. The, the speakers have no conflict of interest or financial incentive to participate in today's podcast, and they're um, doing this willingly and sharing their story with us today. So um, a bit of background around this uh, project is Gila Regional was one of the New Mexico hospitals that submitted applications for the NMHA Quest for Excellence Awards last year. Um, so this was the inaugural awards for the hospital association, and so the quality committee, which is comprised of hospital leaders across the state, voted on the applications and selected uh, GRMC as one of the awardees for the project they're going to talk about today. So um, really excited for today's guests. We have Rennie uh, Mariscal, the director of case management, and then we have his uh, successor with us also Amanda Pryor who is the interim director of case management and uh, they've led a lot of this work and they're going to share their story today about this project so um, welcome and thank you uh, to both of you for joining us today and if we could just start with uh, each of you giving a, a bit of an introduction about yourself your title and how long you've been at the hospital Thank you, Dan. Uh, my name is Rennie Mariscal. I am uh, currently the uh, physician administrator for all the clinic outpatient practices and the cancer center, but I'm the former director of case management here at Gila Regional. I've worked here, oh gosh, probably about six or seven years. Um, the first two years, was back in the day when I was a nursing student, and in the summers I'd come and work and, and then go back to nursing school. And I came back about four years ago and um, uh, as um, case manager director. Uh, in the interim, I became a nurse anesthetist. I also worked 
many years in uh, as director of quality for uh, in the managed care setting and also was a lead surveyor for the external quality review organization for eight states. Hmm. So this this was a, a really exciting opportunity to be able to to demonstrate something that our small rural hospital was able to accomplish. Absolutely. Thanks. Thanks for joining us, Randy. And how about you, Amanda? I'm right now the interim director of case management as Rennie has moved on to his new role. Um, I was the care transitions nurse here at Gila Regional during the time that we submitted our application for the Quest for Excellence Award. I'm not serving as the care transitions nurse at this time, but I'm still overseeing the program. Great. Thank you so much. So yes, and, and for our for our listeners, uh, when we send out the podcast recording, we will also send out their Quest for Excellence application. So we will be speaking to a lot of specifics to that today, uh, but we will have that as an attachment so that you all can see this great work that um, these folks have led in, at Gila Regional. So if we could first just start with uh, either of you just uh, describing for us um, how the need for this project was identified. Um, and kind of what data did you use to help uh, identify that need? Well, we um, in our we have a very active utilization uh, management committee, and we look at at our dashboards and and our metrics closely every month. And we were noticing that our readmission rates were significantly higher than uh, the national median rate, and we were far away from. Um, an acceptable HCAP score in our care transition um, uh, domain. And so we saw this as an opportunity for us to pull together this multidisciplinary team, and that's how the idea began. So we started, we built a, um, a very basic rudimentary uh, project and decided to make it a pilot project to see if we wanted to roll it out if we had um, success. So that's how it all began. Very interesting. The data that, the data that we used, um, we used, uh, we collected our, our utilization data, but then also used uh, the same readmission methodology that CMS uses, um, taking into consideration risk adjustments of, of that nature. That's great, yeah, and I, that, that's interesting that you use the not only the outcomes data of readmissions, but then also those, the outcomes of the patient experience data. So um, great work on that. So uh, can you talk to us about, uh, in your application, you guys referenced um, engaging the board of directors. And you know, this being such a huge part of, of, of a project like this, as, as you know, um, how did you, how did you do that? How did you engage your board of directors to excite them about this and prioritize efforts for this? One of the things that, um, one of my philosophies for the department was for utilization review and case management not to be, not to be a, um, a quiet going out to pasture type of department, which is commonly the, the case in many, in many uh, facilities. We wanted to make it an active playing field. So in order to be an active playing field, we needed to, to um, be vocal about what we were doing. And the only way we could be vocal is by moving up the chain. So every every success that we had, every need that we had, we um, got a spot on the board quality committee 
to, to share that information, as well as having a very engaged senior uh, leadership team. And so they helped give us that, that marketing, if you will, that we needed to peak, so get, uh, to get people's interest in the, uh, in the projects that we were doing. So that's how we got the engagement and every success, then it was everybody's success. That's great, yeah. So it was really, uh, it sounds like it was, it was really about getting, the, like you said, the UR and the case management, kind of a, a seat at the table, so to speak, of, of inputting the strategic direction of the hospital, is that correct? Absolutely, yes. Mm -hmm. That's great. Well, very cool. Um, so, so how long did that, you know, um, first this project spanned over several months and is ongoing, but how long did it take to get this started as far as the development um, for when the, this idea was created to when you actually started implementing um, some tests of change? What, can you kind of talk about that time frame and what that looked like? <clears throat> I would say it took a, a couple of months of analyzing the data, coming up with a very basic uh, program that we wanted to introduce to the full uh, utilization review committee. Mm -hmm. And then once, once that discussion took place, um, then we were ready to go live within six weeks of it being adopted. Very cool. Great. So um, I'm going to kind of Kind of jump into to probably more of uh, maybe that that analyzing the data and then some action around it. So, um, as as the research suggests with hospital readmissions, and then also as you guys outlined in your project, uh, when looking at preventable hospital readmissions, um, a lot of those occur in the first seven days after discharge, um, and and you guys really outlined that as far as prioritizing some of your efforts. So. Can you talk to us some more about your strategy in, in kind of that uh, cohort of patients and um, those uh, first seven days of after discharge? Can you talk to us about your strategy or maybe where you started with that? The strategy for dealing with the first seven days is really, um, it starts out, there's no more important aspect of caring for these patients than the initial discharge planning assessment. And we share that responsibility throughout our whole team. We've really tried to make care transitions a, an effort not just of the care transitions nurse, but of the whole team so that we can really rely on everyone's strengths. We, we do a, a comprehensive discharge planning assessment as soon as a patient is admitted, and we start thinking about those seven days during that first interaction so that we can start creating a safety net for that patient. Um, we try to set a follow-up appointment with the patient's PCP so that we have a concrete appointment that we're talking about um, to make sure that that patient has transportation to get there, um, that there aren't any barriers to that patient being seen in a timely manner after they leave the hospital. We work really hard to set patient expectations so that they know kind of what to expect in that that really critical time frame when they're first back home after being hospitalized. Um, we also uh, follow up with the patients around the 48 hour mark to make sure that everything is going according to plan. Um, we talk about um, recovery milestones. We talk to them about their prescriptions. Did they have any problems picking anything up? As far as prescriptions go, are they taking them as directed? 
Um, we talk to them again about that follow-up appointment that we've scheduled. We make sure that they do have transportation. Um, and that's a really great opportunity to then troubleshoot anything that comes up in that really critical time frame. Gotcha. So a lot of great stuff in there, Amanda. Just a few follow-up questions for you on that. Um, can we just back up to the the discharge planning assessment? Uh, can you give us your roster? So who who are the who are the 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 folks on or who have a piece of that besides case management? Well, it is case management. We have um, a wonderful team of discharge planning nurses. Gotcha. Um, we have Jim Greenwood and Jessica Ortiz who are full-time. Um, and then we have a part-time Margie Gray and Janice Garner and Abby Crumbly who are PRN. Um, so we all play a really important role in assessing these patients. Great. And how about like how about other um, departments? Did it have to? Did you have to engage pharmacy or? Uh, physicians or kind of other uh, stakeholders in that discharge planning assessment piece? We, we do that um, through an interdisciplinary rounds meeting that we hold every morning. Gotcha. And so when we have that meeting, um, physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech, um, pharmacy, we have a diabetic educator, um, also the physician, all of those people are there at the table to talk about um, the needs of the patient, both while they're in the hospital and then when they go home. Gotcha. So it is multidisciplinary. Okay, so that, that makes sense. So it kind of starts at that uh, that huddle or that meeting, and then case management will kind of take that info from it and then and then kind of uh, assign from there and kind of facilitate the assessment. Okay, that makes sense. Um, how about, uh, let's see here. So all of these things are, are really ex exciting and, 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 and of course all of the literature as you know with care transitions speaks to these as best practices um, I would say that you know, sometimes what is heard out in the field is there is that this requires additional FTEs or maybe it requires an added on duties and, and you maybe maybe you don't have time for these added on duties uh, I think those are probably common barriers maybe that you uh, initially faced, but I would say, you know, across the country, those are, those are barriers that get brought up a lot of, well, we can't afford the additional FTEs to do this, or we don't have the time to do this. How, what would be your answer to that? How do you, how do you combat those barriers, so to speak? In, in our department for this program, we utilized one of the case management FTEs to serve a dual role as the care transitions nurse. So when we started, that was me, and I would oversee the program, but also be available to work really closely with patients that we identified as high risk, um, usually based on their diagnosis, you know, focus on um, CHS, COPD, and diabetes. Um, and then my focus would be to provide a lot of one-on-one -on -one instruction to the patient and the family and really um, work on education and, like I said, expectation setting. Um, help that patient um, hopefully become more of an advocate for themselves in their own health care. Um, so it, it was sort of a, a role that was worked into the framework of the department as far as um, employee allocation had already been decided. Okay, great. If, if I may interject, uh, one of the things that we did learn from the pilot project, where we only had one care transitions nurse doing all of the work, um, it, would, it became clear to us 
that the need was much greater than one person can do could uh, accomplish. Mm -hmm. And so what we wanted to do is make it organization wide. So even the outreach, the calls, the scripted calls, there's representation from each department, behavioral health, uh, med surge, um, ICU, and uh, maternal child um, areas that do these calls. So we all have ownership of this, even though um, I guess the overseer is, is the case management care transitions department. But that was that's one of the successes that I think is very critical to to um, the success of the project. And also, um, we did that without adding any FTEs um, to do this work. It was stuff that that people could do during downtime. Great, very very cool. Great job on that. Um, you you talked a little bit about um, setting expectations for the patient. Um, making sure that they were an advocate for themselves. Can, can you maybe expand a little bit on that and, and, and t talk to, you know, how did, uh, how did the patient and the family's role change during the discharge process from what their um, role was before? Can you kind of talk about that a little bit more? In some cases, we're dealing people dealing with people who have a, a chronic illness that they have some experience with already. Um, but in a lot of cases, it's someone with a new diagnosis. Mm -hmm. So we really try to assess the patient's understanding of what's going on in their life and offer support and education around that, both to the patient and to their families. A big part of that is what to look for that's kind of a warning sign once they go home. Um, we, we really like to use stoplight tools that are pictorial and um, very instructive to the patient on what to do um, if a certain thing happens. Um, so you know, if, if a, a CHF patient has a weight gain of three pounds, they need to call their doctor if that happens you know, over the course of two days pretty rapidly, they need to call their doctor because they probably need a medication adjustment. Gotcha. Um, things like that, helping them, um, and helping to demystify um, just the different nuances of navigating the healthcare system. Mm -hmm. um, you know, letting them know that we understand that it can be hard to get a hold of their primary care doctor, um, but that they, they really need to advocate for themselves in that situation. And I think that if they, if they're prepared for that ahead of time, it seems to make the process go a little more smoothly, even when they're met with obstacles. Absolutely. So um, what has been the, the feedback from the patients? Have you kind of, when you transition to this new model of, of care transitions, what's been the feedback from them? And have you, have you seen any differences in HCAP scores? Can you, can you talk about that? We've definitely seen a difference in HCAP scores. Um, and I think that's, you know, one of the really quantifiable ways to look at this. Um, in, in 2017, in the third quarter, we were um, at 41.9% positive feedback. Mm -hmm. um, in 2008, in the second quarter, that was 61.8. So that's nearly 20 points. Yeah, absolutely. So it was, it's made a huge difference. We also, just a lot of anecdotal appreciation Mm -hmm. from patients in that moment that, wow, nobody's ever really taken the time to explain to me what's going on in my body. Mm -hmm. And that's not, um, you know, to disparage anyone else. It's just that 
there, there isn't a lot of time built into the system for that to take place. Absolutely. And so just slowing down and using that um, to hopefully prevent problems down the road seems to be really well received. Um, Great stuff. That's awesome. Um, shifting a bit to community partnerships, um, I'm sure, assuming this played a, a role in, in, in these transitions, can you, can you talk to us about the community uh, partnerships a bit with, as far as were there, were there new relationships formed um, or, and, and really once they're formed, how do you maintain those relationships and keep them engaged with these efforts? Can you expand on that? That was really one of the first initiatives of this new care transitions program was that we recognized the need to work collaboratively with all of the different entities in the community who provide care throughout the continuum. Mm -hmm. And if we can't start out at this level with good communication, um, we can't expect to support the patient after they're gone from the hospital. Mm -hmm. So we worked really hard to identify someone at each of the local facilities who had buy-in to the um, importance of care transitions and someone who we really felt like was an ally and would actively help problem solve when these issues arose. And so we, we established those relationships, especially in the PCP's offices um, and then specialists here locally. We have some of those relationships as they arise with specialists in outer lying areas. A lot of people have to go out of town to see certain specialists. So we kind of work on those as those come up. Um, but then, of course, when a second instance comes up of a patient needing that specialist, it, it really reinforces how beneficial it was to have that preliminary contact Very the last cool. time a patient needed them. Um, we, of course, try to work really closely with the home health agencies and the skilled nursing facilities. Um, we have a pharmacist here at Gila Regional who has done a lot of work to foster relationships with the local retail pharmacies mm -hmm. so that when we have an issue, we can get a hasty resolution to that. Absolutely. Um, we're also in a situation right now where um, we have a lot of patients um, who are in custody of Border Patrol coming to our hospital. So we just last week hosted a regional symposium um, with other hospitals in the area and the Department of Health and uh, the local community health center to address some of those issues and to, to bring Border Patrol to the table and, and foster that relationship further to support those patients. Yeah, very cool. And um, I was hoping we would, we would touch on that today and, and we will share the link of, of that particular project. And that, that's probably an entire interview in itself as far as um, the work that you guys have started and led as far as the, the migrant crisis and collaborating with, like you said, Border Patrol and other um, entities um, and caring for those patients. And so uh, I'll share a link for, for folks listening of uh, the article about that. And of course, you'll have the contact info of of our guests here today and if you need some more info on that but uh, very interesting work that you guys have facilitated with that so um, congratulations and I'm sure a lot more to come on that topic. Thank you. So um, let's see here what can we end with I think um, what about you know thinking of this project and ongoing uh, just looking back at what 
you all have accomplished? Um, what would be your key results or outcomes that you would are, are most proud of so far? I believe um, there are a couple of things. One is the entire organization's engagement in the project. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's become an internal community effort as well as an external community effort. And it's well recognized and publicized. And so the other thing, you, you talked about patient feed, asked about patient feedback, but we got a lot of provider physician uh, feedback as well. They were, they're noting a difference in, in um, the patient's level of understanding and, and um, of, their, of their disease process, but also of what, what, how, what to look for as warning signs, and they know when to come to the doctor versus when to come to the ED. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing that, was, um, that became very apparent, too, was, um, you know, we talked about we have more control over um, the first seven days post-discharge, and when we analyze the information on those patients that come back for readmission for uh, within that um, seven days, the majority, not all, but a good uh, majority of the patients um, are coming back due to a misunderstanding with regard to their medications or very simple things like they didn't have a right to pick up their medications, so they, they just didn't pick them up. And those are all things that we're, we were able to intervene and help and uh, with. And then the other thing that was um, we're really proud of is having the clinical pharmacist become a part of the team, where she does teaching not only for the patients, but she also listens in as the nurses are teaching the patient and she gives them constructive feedback or um, alternative ways of presenting information and that's been very very um, uh, beneficial for both the nursing staff as well as for the patient outcomes so that's that's what we're really proud of that's great wow so many so many uh, so many great things that you've touched on and really that you guys have touched on uh, throughout the interview today so um, again, for, for all the folks listening, we, we will include their contact information uh, so that you can reach out to them for questions or ideas or some guidance on, on your own efforts. Because as we know, this is a, this is a big topic for, for this stage, but really a big topic across the country and, and a, challenging, um, a challenging metric for hospitals. So um, again, I just want to give a, a final thanks to you, Amanda, and and also to you, Rennie, for joining us today. So thank you so much for taking the time with me today. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you so much. Absolutely. And also we'd like to thank everyone for listening uh, today, and we welcome your, your feedback and ideas on future episodes for our podcast. Again, we'll, we'll plan on doing a, a few of these a month and um, bringing these to you um, uh, either through the um, the, the app that we'll share more information about or also the link that we will send out to everyone. So um, with that, we will close today's episode uh, and look forward to connecting with you all on the next one. So have a great day. Thank you for listening to Advancing Quality and Patient Safety. Future episodes of this podcast can be heard at anchor.fm 
forward slash NMHA or subscribe to the podcast using the Anchor app. Please visit NMHA's HIN newsletter for materials and resources related to this podcast. Thank you.